Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 203, the March 1986 issue on sale December 10th of 1985, the cover price of 75 cents. This one's titled Crossroads. And on the cover of this issue, it promises that we will have Phoenix versus the Beyonder, which I kind of felt like we did last issue. I felt like we did that last issue and in the last issue of Secret Wars. Yeah, it's like the creative staff over at Marvel just can't get over this Phoenix Beyonder thing. This universe isn't big enough for both of them. That's true. And it actually proclaims that right, right on the cover. Uh, it is, in fact, Rachel with uh, the Phoenix effect swooping down towards the Beyonder, and, and the Beyonder is basically made up of the universe. I like the universe part of it. Otherwise, I don't really care for this cover. It, it's it's okay. It's serviceable, but yeah, mostly forgettable. I think it's funny that the Phoenix is sort of over uh, Rachel's shoulder, just kind of going, hey, check me out. <laughs> I'm Phoenix. I'm, I'm guessing when J.R.J.R. drew it, he's like, oh, crap. I'm not going to be able to get these two lined up because it seems like it would make sense that the Phoenix head would be more over Rachel's head. Or she has her hand outstretched towards the Beyonder. It would seem like maybe the Phoenix head could actually be an extension of her hand. But where it's at, it's like, oops, I just drew two things in the wrong place. Why do you think they bolded universe big and both? <sighs> Because in 1980, what'd you say, 86? Yeah. This, uh, those words were, were killer. Bafo with the kids. <laughs> That's what sold the comic? Yeah, especially the word both. Okay. <laughs> yes, and it is, of course, a Secret Wars 2 tie-in. Thank the Lord, the last, or the X-Men. True that. So, this one is written by Chris, uh, Chris Claremont, penciled by John Romita Jr. Al Williamson is our guest anchor, and what a great job he does. For sure. Glennis, or uh, sorry, Tom Arzakowski is the letterer, Glennis Oliver is the colorist, and Nocenti is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And uh, we get a very nice four-page backstory or reminder on how Rogue got her Ms. Marvel powers. Flashback, y'all. And for me, really, other uh, for me, really, this was probably the issue that explained Rogue's origin to me. Uh, and then mm-hmm. later on, I, I would have picked up Avengers Annual Number Ten accidentally, and then actually read it as it happened. But you really, Chris Claremont was like, you know what? Probably nobody knows X, uh, Rogue's origin. I better write this up. That's a good point because this story has been talked about a little bit in the pages of the X-Men, but for the most part, it's it's played out in the pages of the Avengers and other um, non-X-Men related comic books. Indeed. In, in any event, it's 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 fine. I mean, it goes through the whole thing, right? She she uh, surprised Ms. Marvel. She absorbed her powers. They maintained contact too long or something else went wrong and the perm- the transfer was permanent. And uh, there's a little bit of retcon here. She, she goes on to, to say that she had Ms. Marvel's thoughts in her head and if she could just maybe kill Ms. Marvel, maybe those thoughts would go away. So she throws Carol Danvers into the water, uh, but the thoughts don't go away. So she was wrong. And, uh, yeah, and then she finds herself actually on the bridge here. This must be the Golden Gate Bridge. It's the Golden Gate Bridge, right? Yes. Yeah. And so, because the X-Men are actually in San Francisco, so Rogue is actually just taking a trip down memory lane uh, in the present time. Right. So this is the bridge where it happened, and so Rogue is having a flashback. There's a nice transition from the past to the present here as a truck drives through past rogue and she kind of fades away and we cut over to present rogue who's just on the side of the bridge yeah imagining and thinking all this stuff i could see this being shot in a movie and i can perfectly visualize how it would look and i think it'd be a very cool flashback scene so mm-hmm. kudos jrjr and we she keeps to go she keeps going she's a member of the brotherhood of evil mutants but the only person that she could trust to help her were her mortal enemies the x-men and charles xavier how ironic and now she's with the x-men she mentions that the beyonder teleported them all over to san francisco as we mentioned except for nightcrawler which i don't even think i realized last issue 
Yeah. I think I might have even said, yeah, Nightcrawler is attacking that Sentinel or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you might. I don't remember, but he, for whatever reason, was not teleported. Um, and that's about it. She she flies back to wherever the X-Men are staying. And I, I guess I don't know who the X-Men they are. They are staying at um the woman who shows up on the next page's house. Jessica Drew. Jessica Drew, yeah. Spider-Woman's house. She's um, not, she not Spider-Man or Spider-Woman anymore, though. Oh, she's not? No, she lost her powers. Oh, okay. Well, I thought she was dead, so she's <laughs> doing pretty well as far as I'm concerned. A lot better than you thought. <laughs> Um, she comments that the X-Men hung around because they caused a lot of damage and they are helping the city, um, clean up the damage and that San Francisco is a lot, uh, kinder to mutants than New York is, Hmm. which is something that I don't think ever goes away. That San Francisco is kinder than New York? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's weird because... California had a lot of issues with Dazzler uh, and the reveal of Dazzler as a mutant. So I don't know. Mm. But That's I feel true. like you're right. Like The X-Men will much later on make this their headquarters. Yeah, I think they eventually move out to just outside of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Maybe even on Alcatraz? Is it Alcatraz or is it like Magneto's Island or something? Oh, I don't remember. Maybe they move. like it's Asteroid M that is <laughs> in the water. Or do they just move Genosha closer to California? Who knows? Spoilers. All right. So anyways, uh, Rogue approaches Kitty, who is in her uh, kimono, and she's uh, kind of meditating. Rogue wants to know if she's taking her shadow cat identity to heart. You okay? And Kitty says that she is not okay, and she reveals by removing part of her kimono that she's got some armor on. Not just any armor. It's Ilyana Rasputin's magical armor. Who? I don't know. Somebody she made up. Because nobody on the universe knows who Ilyana Rasputin or her friends are. So she says she has Ilyana's soul sword, which she makes appear in front of Rogue. And she refers to Ilyana as her roommate. And Rogue says, what are you talking about, Cat? You ain't got no roommate. And Colossus sure don't have a sister. And Kitty freaks out and she's like, what about the new mutants? Who are they? And, uh... Kitty drops the entire kimono and reveals that she's got a whole suit of soul armor. And she says that the Beyonder slaughtered them. And for some reason, because her, uh, Kitty and Ileana share like a bond, they're soul bonded or something. She's the only one who remembers. And didn't something happen where the the armor, she even says it somewhere in here, that the armor is kind of linked to her? Like when something bad happens to Ileana, the armor goes to Kitty? Yeah, when the Beyonder first showed up in the library, and then this is what she talks about, um... The Beyonder took away Magic's powers and got rid of the Dark Child, right? Yeah. In the previous issue of New Mutants. And when that happened, that's when Kitty first got the Soul Sword and the armor. And then that's how the the (laughs) Magic lost control of a little bit of the demons and stuff. Yeah. So what I find, um, I don't know, as as a reader when I was growing up, much younger and i had just this issue and I'm, I'm reading this and i and i see the rogue things like oh that's cool and then i see this i was like oh man the last issue it must have been like a knockdown drag out battle with the x-men and the beyonder and the new mutants and this story is picking up right from there and it it's not right like you really have to be paying attention to everything that's going on to even have an idea of what she's talking about i mean they do a fairly decent job of explaining i guess yeah, I mean, you do and you don't. I mean, as 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 somebody who first read this without any of the supplemental material, I wasn't thrown off. No. I didn't realize how much I was missing, but... Right, I'm wondering if this was done this way so that as an X-Men fan, you're like, oh, I don't know what she's talking about. I better go pick up a copy of New Mutants and figure out why they're dead. Yeah, that wouldn't help you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess not. Uh, and now, so Kitty uh, forecasts that, okay, the, the new mutants were the warm-up, even though nobody remembers uh, them or believes me. But sooner or later, the Beyond is going to come for us because the X-Men are the main event, and there's nothing we can do to stop him. And that's when Rachel shows up and says, not so. Now, has she always had this, uh, like, scratchy bal- word balloon, or is this like a new Phoenix thing? I don't know. It's new-ish. Um, it may be new since she bonded with that soul globe, but I don't remember. It's new-ish. 
She points out that the Beyonder last issue gave her a portion of his power, and he never took it back. What I want to know, are these little these three little spikes on her forehead, are these new, or have they been there the whole time? Mm, yes-ish. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so she's got portion, if not... It, the Beyonder, quote-unquote, forgot to take his power back. They're in the last issue, mm-hmm. but I can't tell you anything before that. And uh, she's got an idea... Um, if she can take her friends' powers or souls or spirits, yeah, the spirits, if she can take her friends' spirits to sustain her, she might be able to use the totality of the Phoenix power and the Beyonder power without going insane. I'm kind of paraphrasing there a little bit and reading between the lines. Her plan, as I understood it, is to destroy the universe. (laughs) So that the Beyonder has nowhere to live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but does Kitty realize that at this point? She kind of spells it out. Uh, there's nothing to lose, Kitty, from all his actions. He's planning to destroy us all. Isn't that what you believe? At least can, we can ensure that whoever comes after us won't have his madness to threaten him. So Yeah, you're right. What happens if this universe... Or what happens if the universe... See, when I read it, it says, what happens if the universe he inhabits ceases to exist? And I read that to be beyond, but I think you're right. It's more that he is currently inhabiting our universe. So if we destroy our universe, then there's nothing to worry about, I guess. I initially thought that as well. Like, I thought they were going to have a little mission and go over and destroy the beyond world. Right. Which would have been interesting. Yeah. Um So Kitty's like, well, okay, I got nothing to lose. Rogue's like... Here, uh, I'm all messed up with Carol Danvers, and why don't uh, you can take you can take us? <laughs> and apparently, she's kind of uh, she's she's drifting back and forth between Rogue and Carol Danvers, personality wise or speech pattern wise. Rachel says, "Now, whose voice and manner have changed? You sound like Carol Danvers." So I guess her voice and manner have changed, um, not just Rogue's, but also Rachel's. Yes, each time she takes the spirit. Uh, that spirits continues their thought through Rachel and then Rachel's voice. Oh, okay. That's Kitty's voice. Her way of yeah. speaking. Gotcha. Yeah. And then and then Rogue and then Carol Danvers. And then Jessica Drew comes up and she's like, oh, I used to be Spider-Woman, but I don't have my powers. I'd like to help. Which is just just completely out of nowhere. It is. And it, it is. Um, because... Well, we know the X-Men have hung out with Jessica Drew, so it makes sense. But it's yeah. just so like, I don't know, I've... Uh, most of the time, I, I'm okay with like, okay, I guess they're here now. But this, for some reason, doesn't really, like, I, I'm looking for the caption that says, we're hanging out at Jessica Drew's house. Exactly. Like, you do get the impression that you're at Jessica Drew's house. But I don't even think it says, like, hey, we're staying with Jessica Drew. She just shows up. And you can infer that, yeah, okay, it makes sense that they're staying at her house. But I don't know. It seems like this issue could have been a little bit shorter on Rogue Story, and we could have seen all the X-Men out to lunch with Jessica Drew, catching up on old times, and then this whole sequence occurs. And then we have more context for Jessica Drew and whatever, but we don't. Or maybe we could see the X-Men repairing stuff. Sure. Fixing uh, up the city with Jessica Drew. <laughs> a four-part limited miniseries. <laughs> So Rachel goes in, she does a lot of talking to herself, uh, but she she ends up taking uh, Colossus, Wolverine, and Magneto's spirit. They're sleeping, so they don't even have a choice in the matter. Aurora, however, is not sleeping, and she is very much against this plan because, frankly, it is quite stupid. Yeah. Yes. Um, And then she says, uh, I can't, I won't, if you won't give freely of your soul force, Aurora, I'll simply take what I need. And she does. She takes Aurora's spirit. And then she turns into the phoenix. She flies over San Francisco. She flies over the world. And then she flies, I don't know, into the solar system. Watchers like, oh man, looks like we're in for it. But I'm just the watcher. So peace out, y'all. As Jean Grey once faced her ultimate trial, so now must her child. And as before, the fate of the universe hangs in the balance. Speaking of By which... the way, oh. I'm the Watcher. <laughs> yeah. Did you see Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. Spoilers. Okay, spoilers. Spoilers. I really liked the Watcher scene. There were two Watcher scenes. I, I really liked both Watcher scenes. They were funny. They were, they were great. Uh, and that's not even a huge spoiler, but I was like, we are, live in a time when there are Watchers and... 
good-looking watchers. I think their heads could have been a little bit bigger, but still, good-looking watchers in a movie. And they didn't have to, like, spell out who are these people. They just were there. And now, at some point in the whole thing of Marvel Cinema, you could have a mo- movie focus around a watcher because they've just been introduced. No, you probably won't, though. Probably won't, but... I don't know. They could be a plot device. Like if, it's uh, like the Howard the Duck thing. We keep throwing them oh in there. Oh, my but. God. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that I think they could pull off a Howard the Duck movie. I don't think it'd be a superhero. I think it'd have to be just like a kind of a, like a soft, raunchy comedy, like a PG-13, not, not like an R or anything like that, where he's just uh, he comes to Earth and drinks, smokes, and, you know, be, be, uh, is Howard the Duck. What about a shot-for-shot shot remake of the, the <laughs> Howard the Duck that we got, but this time with CGI? Hmm. <laughs> nah. Nah. The only two scenes I remember are when Howard and Marty's mom are about to kiss and when uh, Ferris Bueller's uh, principal turns into, like, the bad guy. Do I have those guys right? I think I have those characters right. I haven't seen that movie in a bazillion years. Yeah, it, it was. I, I liked it as a kid, but of course, I was just a stupid kid. Yeah, as a kid, it was great. Um, I'm sure on a rewatch, it's probably god awful. But anyways, uh, Phoenix, she's flying. She's still flying. She she did fly past the Watcher. She she even flies out to the crippled Shi'ar spaceship that houses. I thought it was going to be the last time we saw him, but it's not. It's the Star Jammers. You lied to me, Jeremy. I did, and I apologize. <laughs> I don't know how I. Uh, can be forgiven for this oversight. But, uh, the, I don't know, the Radors or Sikorsky or somebody's like, look, there's a familiar signal. And everyone's like, oh my God, it's the Phoenix. Oh, nuts. <laughs> Professor reaches out telepathically and he's like, Rachel, is that you? In mercy's name, child, stop. Too late for that, Professor. And she absorbs, I think, everybody. Yeah. Now, I guess we're going to, we'll, we'll come back to this. <laughs> But yes, she's got now their spirits. And then she heads to a planet with no name that has... Jeremy, I forgot to mention something. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me get ready for it. Okay, go. Star jammers jamming across the universe. Thank you. It's like butter on my ears. (laughs) I'm so so happy right now. Anyhow, um, she heads to the planet with the McCarran crystal and... uh, And that little guard guy, Jaff. Yep. And she In all the eons its guardian Jaff has failed in his charge to keep the crystal untouched and inviolate only once against the X-Men. Unfortunately, history is about to repeat itself. Poor Jaff. Yeah, they're going to fire him. He hates these guys. So he they all show up and now they're in I think they're inside the McCarran crystal. The city within the crystal. Yeah. Everybody's there. Uh, all the X-Men, Magneto, Chode, the rest of the Star Jammers, Joff, Jaff, whatever his name is. I'm here to tell you that I'm going to destroy the universe, yeah. says Rachel. <laughs> I thank you for the gift of your life forces. That really wasn't a gift. <laughs> that most of you did not give me freely. Uh, yeah, I'm going to destroy the universe, uh, and then that energy will create the cosmos anew. We'll perish, but so hopefully will the Beyonder. Yeah, it's a terrible plan. You know what it would have been cool? Is if we got a scene where Magneto is like, hey, Professor, are you coming back? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, uh, your kids are kind of a hassle. Um, Well, he he doesn't know about the kids, so he mm -hmm. can't say anything about the kids. Well, the new mutants. He can't. They don't exist. Oh, that's right. Yeah, good point. So he's just like. So what's Magneto? Magneto's like, huh, wonder why I'm hanging around the mansion. He's he's tutoring the x-men i guess well wolverine needs some remedial algebra so i guess i'll do that for a while <laughs> rogue or uh, storm she she's like no rachel you can't you mustn't do this rachel gives her some guilt trip about how she helped her mom why won't she help now we fought to heal to save for such a cause i would and shall gladly give my life as your mother adi- eventually did don't you understand that's what I'm trying to accomplish to give life another chance to start over without the Beyonder? He means to destroy us, so let's get this on. I got no choice. Have you considered the awful cost if you're wrong? I have no choice. You always have a choice. And then she does it, and we get... Well, she doesn't do it. But we get this uh, massive two-page spread of the cosmos um, inside of a phoenix bird. Yeah. With a bunch of little panels of beings throughout the universe she i think doesn't she pull all of their spirits in uh i don't know if she pulls them in but she definitely connects to all of the living beings yeah races newly born others breathing their last 
animal sentience beings ruled by passion, blah, 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 blah. So I think this is a panel illustrating the destruction of one and the creation of another. Or maybe just the destruction of everything. I don't know. I don't think she's destroying anything. I think at, the, I think at this point, my interpretation of this was that She's just connecting to everything. Okay, so she's reaching out. Like, it's like for some reason, in order to destroy everything, she needs to encompass it. And in order to encompass it, she needs to actually connect with all of the beings throughout the universe. Impossibly, she touches everyone, regardless of how great or small their lives become hers. So I guess she does absorb them. For this timeless instant, she experiences their dreams, their yearnings, their terrors, all they were and are. And hope to be the totality of their beings. And essentially she decides she can't do it because she doesn't want to wipe out all these lives. Yeah, the next panel is basically the the duality of the phoenix on the one side. I think maybe she's horrified by, way she's, by what she's about to do. But on the other side of her universe silhouette, she... She craves it. She welcomes it evilly. And the X-Men and other races are scattered about in her silhouette. And I think Storm is just kind of continuing to lecture her. Um, yes, you see what you truly do. You truly see what you intend. Yes. Not the cosmos, but the people. Can you slay each one? Steal away that gift? Marvel yeah. cosmos is made of people. <laughs> Everything depended on me, Aurora, but I failed, I failed, I failed. Because you could not kill? Because you could not slaughter countless innocents? A strange failure, that. Uh, now the Beyonder will destroy everything. So everybody's returned um, back to Jessica Drew's house. Um, Wolverine gives a little lecture. He's like, I have the right to uh, choose how to end my life, and I'll kill if I got cause, but I'm not an executioner, Ray. We do that. We play the Beyonders game, proving ourselves to be no better than him. It's a strange turnaround for Wolverine, <laughs> who last issue was all like, I'm going to gut everybody. I like gutting people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Magneto, I'm going to gut you. Magneto, he poses an interesting question. The professor asked him when he was younger if he would kill the infant Adolf Hitler, and he said yes. And then he asked if he would slay Hitler's grandparents, and he said yes. I would gladly pay any price, make any sacrifice to expunge such uh, such transcendent evil. But um, now I, I wonder. Yeah. So yes, now that he's seen like what the effect of just like the good of the uh, what one or the many. What's the Star Trek two saying? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, the the needs of the few outweigh the, the needs of the many, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but then they flip it on its head and say the needs of the many sometimes, or the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. Whatever, anyway. We just butchered two Star Trek I, movies. I, no, it's, they they did it wrong in the reboot. That, that just, to me, doesn't count. But <laughs> Okay, so we, we only butchered the first one? Well, Star Trek 2 and 3. Because in Star Trek 3, they sacrifice the needs of the many for the needs of the one by sacrificing their career go back to Genesis to get Spock and uh, bring him back, which they were forbidden to do. I should rewatch those. Those are good, man. Star Trek 2, 3, and 4 uh, are rewatchable. I'd even like to rewatch one. You know, I I don't think I have ever watched Star Trek the motion picture from start to finish ever. I don't think I have either. <laughs> I mean, I've put it in and then fallen asleep. Um yeah, and I think I've caught bits and pieces of it, but I don't think I've ever, I, uh, I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. I should try that sometime. But I, I went on a binge a, a while ago. I watched two, three, four. I think I even uh, slogged through five mm -hmm. and then six. Six six is good. Six is, and then I even continued on. I watched uh, all of the Next Generation movies, which aren't really that good. They're pretty terrible. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy, hmm. why does a god need a starship? Uh, I don't remember why. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> it's just a question that oh. Kirk asks. It's not really meant to be answered. Oh, because he's not a god? Yeah. 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 That's basically it. Oh, okay. That movie, that movie is kind of stunk. The only thing I remember is when they're climbing the mountain and Spock has like flying boots. And, and then and then they sing and then you, Row, Row, Then you went onto YouTube and, and you looked up the Captain Kirk thing? No. Where he says, Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? No. You never watched that? Is that a meme? Uh, I don't know if it, it, it might be pre-meme. Oh, no, I don't. But I, uh, somebody somebody took an, we're going way off topic now. The uh, Somebody took a clip of uh, William Shatner talking about 
his directorial debut and talking about that scene. Uh, why is Captain Kirk climbing a mountain? And, you know, being William Shatner, he goes all over the place to the point where he's like, he wants to make love to the mountain. Wow. And somebody took his talk and kind of chopped it up and made gave it like a little beat and uh it's pretty groovy. So then he was making love to the mountain. Yeah, it's it's it, it, they turned it into a song. That's it's kind of like a, a shmoyo type thing, but but way before shmoyo. I'll have to check that out. I'm, I'm not aware of that. It's good stuff. Um anyways, the point being is that Magneto is now wondering if the sacrifice of that few would be worth it for the many. No, I don't know. I, I can't make that parallel. He's just confused. Maybe he wouldn't make that same decision now. But the Beyonder, he don't care. He shows up. He's like, oh, I'm disappointed, X-Men. Main event at Colossus on your toes. Everybody says their silent farewells to their loved ones. And it don't make a bit of difference. That's right, Rogue, he says as he's thinking her thoughts. He offered the X-Men an opportunity. This was all a test. He didn't forget to take the power back from Rachel. He left it there, and the X-Men failed. He was essentially hoping that the X-Men would do his job for him. Um, they didn't. Uh, Kitty lectures the Beyonder, just like she did before, <laughs> right? I mean, didn't she do that in one of the Secret Wars issues, or was it last issue uh, of X-Men? I think it's in the New Mutants, or maybe it was in X... I don't know. She's always lecturing people. It's it's hard for me to tell which lecture is what... I don't think she did it in the Secret Wars, though, because Jim Shooter wrote those. Yeah, good point. Her uh, armor seems to have also grown. She didn't have two shoulder pads before, but now she does. It's, it's more protective. Yeah, I guess. It just shows up and she, in one panel she's wearing a t-shirt that says Hawaii. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the next panel she's got on a full body armor. There's a word for creeps like you. Bully! Yeah. You're not worth caring about. Everything I've heard of you from the moment you appeared, everything I've seen myself tells me you're cruel, Precious, wicked. Pick a nasty word; it'll fit. You booger. <laughs> um. Yeah, she gives it, her. It, it, it continues to go on. <laughs> yeah, she gives him a, a big lecture. Um. Then Rachel says, "I'm gonna fight you." Um. I get kind of lost at this point. I think she ends up showing the Beyonder like all she experienced. Yes. By touching right. everybody in the universe, and that touches him. He is finally like, "Oh, I understand now." Well, he says, I have no use for you anymore, Phoenix, because you didn't do what I wanted you to do, which was destroy the universe. So I'm taking back my power. And she kind of forces it back to her. And it's all he expected, plus much more. And like her, as you said, he goes, he he touches every every life in the universe. And then he, he crashes to the ground and says, I never dreamed, never imagined never conceived why did it take so long to finally learn he's drawn oddly here like is he back to his captain america guys because instead of having his curly michael jackson hair he's got like long wispy uh captain america hair only in one panel isn't two pa- it two panels oh no yeah you're right okay i uh, i don't know um, I mean, it doesn't matter. But. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> side note, we do learn that in, in one of the Avengers issues, he reveals to Captain America that he is, still has Captain America's body. He just changed the face. Oh, okay. So and that's sort of not really relevant to the question you asked, but it made me it got me thinking about that. So he's, he's hung like Captain America. You betcha. <laughs> and he collapses to the ground. Uh, Storm says, we each have our little lives, our destinies, our unique paths to walk. Perhaps they mean nothing in the grand macrocosmic scheme of things on the scale of reality where such as you dwell beyond her, but they are all we have. And she goes on. This is a big talking issue. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, our lives are small, but they mean a lot to us. And so the Beyonder's like, all right, well... I, I guess I can see what's going on here. It's weird. It's strange. But, uh, you know, I think you're blessed. So don't squander your gifts. And the Beyonder disappears. So the all of the in-between issues this this uh, Secret Wars round, he has been trying to understand why humans think that their mortality is so important to who they are. Right. And so this is kind of... Again, uh, synchronicity with all the other issues. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, it it is. Um, but I feel like uh, I I've read 
this the entire Secret Wars 2 cycle and all of the ancillary issues. And I really feel like um, this issue happens and then you go into Secret Wars, the final issue of Secret Wars, and uh, like he doesn't remember any of this. Well, no, he, he, has a, he has a slightly different perspective at the beginning of Secret Wars number nine. Which I haven't like at, at the end of Secret Wars number eight, he's going to destroy the universe. Right. At the beginning of Secret Wars number nine, he doesn't want to destroy the universe. He wants to figure out a different way to solve the problem. And we'll find that out uh, because the Beyonder saga concludes in Secret Wars 2 number 9. And by the way, everybody, you haven't heard from Nightcrawler, so we're also going to find out eventually what happened to Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't don't you remember he wasn't there? I totally forgot, but I guess so. So this issue for me is a total filler or... Uh, I liked the stuff with Rogue <laughs> remembering her past, which mean, which doesn't really um, fit into the story, really. Um, the rest of it, I, I thought, was just kind of a rehash of everything we've already kind of gone through with the Beyonders trials and tribulations. I guess I didn't know if I... I didn't really feel like it was a... Uh, what was the word you used? Filler. Maybe not a filler, filler. but not... It's not a, I don't feel like it's a good issue. But... You could be right. It could be a filler. It depends on if this actually takes us anywhere. Because, like, there is the potential for some characters to change, mainly Rachel. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think. And and I suppose Kitty as well, although she's kind of more or less the same. But we learn a little bit about her power set, if nothing else. Yeah, I think I think this definitely starts a uh, storyline for Rachel. I'm not sure about anybody else, though. So, well, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm hesitant to say it's a filler yet, but could be. Okay, maybe not a filler. Maybe filler is the wrong word, but I feel like it's maybe like they had to do something for Secret Wars 2. They were still in this whole like Beyonder wants to give a bunch of people power to fulfill their dreams or whatever. Um, and so they had to, he had to do this, which is, I, to me, it just feels like it's the same as last issue. It, it is very similar. Well, I, I, I feel degree. like these two issues are kind of like a two pack. Yeah. 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 Well, that's okay. That's okay. It's just, it's not one of my favorite issues. That's all. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. You should have let me know. We would we could have skipped it and not said anything to anyone. We could skip next week's issue, uh, X-Men 204, because as far as I recall, like nothing really happens there, but we won't. <laughs> we got to figure out what happened to Nightcrawler. But in the meantime, uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, let us know what you think of uh, X-Men number 203 and, you know, things that are happening in the mutant universe. Um, do so by contacting us at uh, www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Follow us at danger room go. You can email us danger room at redcapproductions.com. Get us on iTunes by searching us in the podcast section. We're the first one that shows up. Subscribe to us, leave us some stars, what have you. Uh, or you can give us a phone call at uh, 501 Get X Men. 501-438-9636. Leave us a voicemail and you could hear your voice on our podcast. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And Adam, yes. I read I read Power Pack number 20. Okay, tell me about it. Well, I did not read it. That's okay. Uh not not a whole lot happens. I, I yeah, not a whole lot happens. Um this should be noted that it takes place before the events of New Mutants dying. In fact, it takes place before that entire issue, but it takes place after the issue before that. So is that between 36 and 37? Is that what I'm trying to say? Yes. Okay. And what has happened is in the pages of Power Pack, some residual goblins have escaped from Limbo. And these goblins, which are Ilyano's goblins, have hatched a plan. They are going to... Uh, bring Limbo to Manhattan. But in order to do that, they need to sacrifice somebody innocent. And the most innocent person that they can find is Katie Power. So through a series of events, uh, Katie Power is kidnapped by the goblins. And uh, the Power Packians call the New Mutants. And the New Mutants, because they're actually looking for Kitty. Um, because one of the goblins has Kitty's library card. If you recall, the goblins and uh, Ilyan and Kitty were at the library, so so good connecting there. So they call looking for Kitty, but Kitty's not there. They get the new mutants, and the new mutants are like, oh, there's goblins out. Well, that's our problem. 
And we only get like three new mutants. We get Rain, Mirage, and Cannonball. The other new mutants are out Christmas shopping. <laughs> so that's nice. And uh, so they, they, they come a run. And also it should be noticed that uh, noted that the Power Mom, uh, I can't remember her name, she has taken a turn for the worse. And it is very, oh, no. yeah, it's very likely that she is not going to make it to Christmas. So the kids got that to worry about. They lost their sister to a bunch of goblins. It's just a it's a bad thing. Um, you you also know Franklin Richards, right? He's a new member of Power Pack, um, and he's not really in this issue, but he's a mutant, so we can talk about him a little bit. His uh, precognition powers are are manifesting themselves in more than just dreams. Sometimes he sees uh, future events when he's just walking around. So that's going on. But anyways. Uh, the three new mutants uh, split up. So you got Rain and Cannonball head off in one direction to take on the goblins. And uh, Mirage, who is Valkyrie, um, she sees the symbol of death. It's not Hela and it's not death. It's some other spirit coming for the power mom. And uh, she's like, well, it's not my place to decide who lives and who dies. So I should just go off and fight the goblins. But she's eventually guilt-tripped into fighting off or warding off this death that's coming for uh, the power mom. And as you can guess, everybody triumphs. <laughs> Cannonball and Rain ward off the uh, goblins by breaking the um, the sacrifice of Katie Power, who's like tied up onto an antenna. And she's the perfect candidate because they started feeding her so much energy that she's kind of like spilling out and opening up this portal that's going to basically turn Manhattan inside out and put Limbo in its place. It's kind of a neat idea. And Valkyrie's got to basically, she has to die and then come back to life in order to ward off the death uh, specter that's coming for the power mom. And uh, mm. yeah, she, she does that. The power mom kind of realizes like, oh, my kids, my husband, where am I going? Because she, she sees the light. She feels the warmth. She wants to go with this death spirit, but she doesn't. She goes back to her body. Katie Power is freed and uh, every everybody's happy. It's going to be a great Christmas. The goblins didn't take over New York and the power mom is alive. And, uh, you know, the new mutants are getting ready to be killed. <laughs> Is this the um, is this the genesis for Inferno? You know, it's uh, it really feels like it. I mean, it's the same sort of concept: goblins escaping from limbo and trying to turn Manhattan into their realm. Power Pack plays a small role in Inferno when that comes around. So mm. yeah, it'll I, I don't it'll be interesting. Like there is a specific issue of Power Pack uh, that ties directly into Inferno, and I've read it. Uh, and it, it's okay, but I don't remember if it even makes a reference to this issue to be like, hey, that's like that time that my mom almost died. Hmm. But yeah. Put a pin in it. There you go, everybody. That is, uh, that is, uh, that's power pack number 20. I, uh, I quickly scanned Alpha Flight 32 and there's nothing really to report except that Heather Hudson is now wearing the, um, Vindicator outfit that James McDonald Hudson used to wear before he died. Uh, that'll come into play and be pretty important in the next issue of Alpha Flight, which features Wolverine. Oh, well, I've not read that issue of Alpha Flight ever. It's it's a good one. Is it? Okay. I can't wait to not read it. <laughs> or read it. Maybe I'll read it. Um, we have a few extra minutes left before we wrap this podcast up. So uh, put you on the spot, Adam. We haven't had a chance to really talk about it and the series is over, but what did you think about Legion? I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was really interesting that it was tying into a lot of the stuff that we that we just covered. Yeah, yeah. Um, when they said Amal Farouk, I was like, I know who that is! <laughs> I, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we should uh, mention that we're going to spoil a bit of Legion um, retroactively. I just did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, reverse spoiler. We'll try. Well, spoilers. If you haven't watched Legion yet and you don't want it ruined, stop listening. Um, but yeah, Farouk Amal is in there. <laughs> and if you don't remember who he is, then good. Stop listening. But he's the Shadow King. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, there. Um, so we, we already talked about like the first couple of ish episodes, I believe. I talked about how I really like the directorial style. Certainly, of episode one, um, seems like the directing duties went to somebody else because they weren't all that intricate, interesting afterwards. Directionally, still good. Um, but I, I definitely like that. That first episode definitely hooked me 
Um, but I beyond- feel like by the time we got to the eighth and final episode, it, we kind of lost most of that. And the and for that reason, uh, the eighth episode felt kind of disappointing in that we were we were doing a pretty straightforward narrative by that point. Is that the one with the chalkboard? Yeah, I don't know. That was uh, I think that was an earlier episode. So maybe seven was the one with it. I I really did not like the chalkboard scene. Oh, I liked the chalkboard scene. I thought it was fine. Um, but I really liked the black and white stuff where like Aubrey Plaza was moving around and kind of old school. Uh, old film and then everybody was talking and they would have the the words come up like in old 20s films oh yeah 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 that was good i like that i I really like that Mm -hmm. stylistic stuff i didn't have a problem with the chalkboard at all i thought it was a great way for him to try to do whatever he was going to do um the other thing i thought was interesting is that it certainly looked like they were connecting him to professor xavier through the through the chalkboard illustrations without saying Professor Xavier's his father. And maybe he isn't, but it, it's... Certain- no, I'm pretty sure he is at this point. Yeah. But the question then, and it doesn't really matter, but the question is, is it uh, Patrick Stewart or James McAvoy, or is it a different Professor Xavier who we'll never see because those two universes aren't maybe connected? And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Um, I thought the inclusion of the Shadow King and what the Shadow King does to its... Um, uh, to its prey basically and, and the battle between his father because they do allude to like well my father probably had a battle with him which sent him away but then it went into me and it's been there ever since I thought that was all pretty cool but i thought it was like a real deep cut <laughs> like like your average x-men fan the people that have grown up on the movies and maybe have picked up a few trade paperbacks or or maybe got into you know some of the recent x-men stuff aren't gonna have a clue who shadow king is i don't think that matters though because no. You get the idea that it's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering that too, but the the I watched it with a friend um, the last episode, and he seemed to be following it pretty well without knowing any of the minutia. Yeah, no, I mean they they lay it out pretty well. I mean he's like a parasite, psychic parasite, and all that sort of stuff. It you don't need to know any of that. I just thought it was a an interesting deep cut pull. Uh, and I, I too was kind of geeking out a little bit when I connected all the dots or when they connected the dots for me. It's like, Oh cool. I, I know that storyline. Yeah. Um, well, because we had just read it, I was actually wondering right from the beginning, is this going to be a shadow King thing? Oh, I, I wasn't, I had no idea be- what was going on because the, 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 the scary guy who, as you, you know, the, the, the big monster guy that yep. was in the thing, yep. every episode, the more they showed of him, the less scary he got. Oh, really? Whereas I feel like the little, the little Hitler kid never stopped being scary. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, uh, but the, the general shape and size of that guy, the bad guy, I, it made me wonder if like, is that supposed to be sort of a representation of a Mel Farouk? Yeah. You know, I can, I can totally see that. And, and once they said, this is a Mel Farouk, the shadow King, I was like, okay, well, it makes sense. He's a big fat guy and this is yeah. a big fat monster. So sure that it could be, uh, but I did not pick up on that immediately. Um, I was, uh, I guess a little, little let down on the last episode as well. Um, the return of that guy, the bad guy, the interrogator guy yeah. who I did actually like in the first episode. I thought he's a well-played character. Um, he just comes back for revenge or whatever. And I don't know, that didn't really hold up for me. And uh, when they're, you know, the, I felt like the episode ended uh, in a lackluster fashion. And then of course, when he's spoilers again, when he's sucked up into the little, um, the little drone, I was like, what the hell's happening now? <laughs> No, it's a teaser. Obviously, it's like this. Something's look out for my next guess. Episode. My guess is Mojo. <laughs> that would be interesting. That would actually that would be cool. That, I don't know if they can do that, but I yeah, I don't know. That's that's a tough one. I feel like wow. If any hmm. if any show could have an interesting way of doing it, this would be the show. I guess you're right. I just. <sighs> I almost I I, I want to say that Mo no yeah I think you might be right I think Mojo is a TV villain I don't think you could pull off an X Force movie and make Mojo the major villain I don't think that would work Yeah I think a, a whole like eight episode kind of mystery of like monster or doing weird stuff 
and being mojo I, I think that could i think that could work i could be totally wrong but you could be but you got you know that's an interesting idea uh maybe they don't even know so maybe if the producers yeah. of uh, legion are listening they could be like yeah mojo let's do that <laughs> um and then finally uh the spirit or no uh, gifted what do you think of that it looks looks uh looks really bad (laughs) (laughs) i saw the trailer and i was like man didn't we already watch heroes yeah it looks like heroes did the x-men pretty well for tv and now the x-men are doing heroes doing the x-men yeah it's just like what are you doing this i mean you know i'll still watch it and i'll i'll check it I hope. I hope it's good. I would, yeah. It it just feels like they have X Men TV rights, but they don't want to do anything on TV that, that maybe they want to end up doing in a movie. I'm so really it, confused about the whole the Strucker kids, like the kids in the trailer. They're they're the Struckers. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sh- well, yeah. That's yeah. And they're not Andrea and Andreas, but one of them is named Andy. Which it, makes me feel like they did it on purpose. Yeah. But. I feel like from a rights ownership, like the X-Men franchise would own Andrea and Andreas, but the Avengers franchise would own Baron Vaughn. Yeah. Just why would you use Strucker? Why, why not? Why not make them? Um, he, he, uh, geek. I don't know anybody else. <laughs> geek, I think it's geek cred has got to be what it is. That's terrible. I think that's the only reason because if, if it's if it's what I think and they just don't want to burn like maybe triple a characters on a tv show you know grab yourself a mal farouk grab yourself mojo grab yourself the strucker kids because we're not ever putting them in a movie but save uh well you know save apocalypse save who who are other big bad mr sinister mr sinister um yeah i don't know tough to say uh i i will check it out i i have um I have low hopes. I, I I wish that they. I don't know what the deal. I don't know what's going on with a uh, new mutants. Is that still supposed to be a movie? Because I feel like that would be a better TV show. I think a, it's supposed to be a TV show, but I keep hearing different things, so I I don't even know what to speculate at this point. You know what I think would be cool is um not necessarily don't don't bother connecting the cinema and the TV universe, and then don't even bother like if you don't want to do it, don't don't even have x-men well you could okay let me let me just back up a second here's the idea a new mutants tv show at the mansion they're students they're learning and they're actually being taught by x-men but you never see x-men adventures maybe you hear that oh the x-men went on an adventure and here we are left to clean up the pool and then you know some minor villain comes and they have to take care of that so so you still have a wolverine but he's just an instructor and you see him every now and then maybe giving the new mutants a lesson but then he you don't see his adventures. You don't see Gene's adventures. You don't see Cyclops's adventure. And that way they don't have to be like the A-list characters that are in the movies. They could just be anybody. And and maybe if it takes off, maybe then it does get spun off into its own TV show. I don't know. I'm mostly with you. Yeah, I think they should abandon the movie universe at this point. Let's <laughs> let it die. And now just focus on the TV universe. And does it connect to the movie universe? Only in the sense that the character, some of the characters are the same. Well... I mean, it's really not about quality of content. I have to imagine that Fox movie is for Fox film or whatever is different than 20th Century Fox on TV. So I'm sure they both have rights and I'm sure they both need to show profits. So I don't think you're ever going to see the cinematic universe go away. Uh, And you're probably never going to see the TV universe connected to the cinematic universe because of that. But it seems like there's going to be a very large separation between what characters are used. And and that means that you're probably going to continue ending up with these minor characters getting their own TV shows. And if they treat them all like Legion, I'm okay with that. I don't know... I guess I never really checked like how well that was received with like the general public. Like what kind of numbers did it put up? Yeah, I don't know either. Did it get know. renewed for a second season or is it a one and done? Um I have no idea. And I, I probably could have looked this up, but I didn't. A second season of ten episodes was ordered in March twenty seventeen and is planned for a February twenty eighteen release. Wow. Okay. Well there you go. P- power of Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. At, at your fingertips. So that's all I have on the TV front. I guess my 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 last plea would be that they should do another animated something. Doesn't have to be X Men the animated series, but I don't know. Do another mutant related cartoon. Do Excalibur. Do X Force. Do anything. Feels like that's a untapped 
potential right there. Sure. I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you, but I don't know why they wouldn't do it. It seems like for the Marvel Universe, they, they spin off the movies. So like there's a Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon right now. There's an Avengers cartoon right now. And none of them take place, like none of them are the movie universe. They're their own universes. They just feature the same characters. Yeah. I don't know why they can't just do that. Yeah, totally. It doesn't matter. I mean, it could be the same universe or it doesn't have to be the same universe. It doesn't matter. Like just make a show with with your characters. Uh, they don't have to be voiced by the same people. We've seen that. I've seen the Avengers cartoon. It's good. Iron Man kind of sounds like, uh, 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 what's his face? Uh, yeah. What's Robert yes, Downey Robert Downey Jr. D- Downey Jr. But it's not. But it doesn't matter. Um, that show's good. Yeah, they're they're making a bunch of money on all those cartoons. I have to imagine. I don't know. The other thing that they need to stay away from is the last two series that I watched for animated X Men was basically focusing around Jean and Phoenix, and they need to stop doing that. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know because it's it's already been done like three times in an animated universe. They did it in X-Men, the animated series. That was the entire focus of Wolverine and the X-Men, which was actually a halfway decent show. And then there was a um, Japan X-Men anime, which was brought over to the States, and it basically was the same thing. Like, the series starts with Gene as the Phoenix dying, and then the X-Men going through adventures, and then getting traces uh, of Phoenix as they do their um, missions. And Scott being, you know, pouty. So that's <laughs> sounds riveting. Yeah, that story's been done. Don't do it ever again. Well, you know, that's like the most famous X Men story of all time. So they're gonna do it again. Ugh. They they already started doing it again in X Men Apocalypse. Uh, did they? Yeah, she phoenixed out at the end of the movie. Yeah. Did you put that out of your memory? I don't really remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word for it, but I guess. It doesn't surprise me. But does that mean, like, the next movie's going to be called Dark Phoenix? Um, didn't they already say what the next movie was going to be called? I feel like they already titled it, but I don't remember. I thought it was named after one of the um, Joss Whedon books. But no, I think, that's what that's what the show is, Gifted. I think, yeah, I think that became Gifted. So who who even knows? I don't know. All right. Yeah, I don't care. So there you go. That's that's everything we know about what's going on in the media world of the X-Men. Uh, and like I said, you know, if you've got inside information or just want to correct us, get a hold of us at one of those areas I told you about earlier. Do it. So, Adam, you got anything else you want to add to this one? Go see Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's a scene where they're passing by like another orb and there's like two dudes fighting. Is that like Planet Hulk reference? I don't don't remember that. Okay, it's like right before they pass by the Watchers. There's just like an asteroid and there's like two large creatures fighting and you only see it for like a half a second. It could be. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's the direction they're going in the next Thor movie. Yeah, yeah. So, why not? Yeah. Okay, well, then, until next time, everybody, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. Closed.